0: Exploring Spiritual Questions Podcast Episode 8 Private Prayer Can it really reduce fear? Hello, my name is Stephen Russell Lacey. In 2007, in the UK, The Tear Fund surveyed 1,000 randomly selected adults. Prayer seemed an important thing, with one in six of all those surveyed praying daily, and one in four at least once a week. Yet it also seemed that you don't have to be religious to want to pray. The survey found 12% of non-religious people saying they prayed sometimes. Raymond Moody, who was the American researcher of the near-death experience, said, I have never been religious. I talk to God every day, but he's never said a word to me about religion. I think the most powerful prayer is surrender. So what is prayer exactly? The worldly-minded suppose prayer is no different from any other personal practice that induces relaxation. They ask, don't we relax by sitting in a comfortable position, in a quiet setting, having something calming to focus our attention, and adopting a passive attitude? Yet most people would agree that private prayer involves a connection with a mysterious sense of presence. This experience being in line with whatever happens to be the individual's image of the transcendent. Madame de Stael, French political theorist, once said, Prayer is more than meditation. In meditation, the source of strength is oneself. When one prays, he goes to a source of strength greater than his own. Those people who see themselves as spiritual but not religious, I say, tend to think in terms of linking to a creative life force. Don't they call this the universal mind? A higher power? A divine being or spiritual source? The Buddha said that supplication to deities is not necessary. Nevertheless, Mahayana Buddhists do turn for aid to the Buddha and to Buddhist saints, praying to them in private prayer. This they do, not only to attain Nirvana, but also to obtain help with the trials of this life. Henri Matisse, French visual artist, once said, I don't know whether I believe in God or not. I think, really, I'm some sort of Buddhist, but the essential thing is to put oneself in a frame of mind which is close to that of prayer. Hindus, Christians, Muslims, Jews, they all pray for help to their own image of the divine, many call God. Sadly, when the traditional myths and symbols of religion have been taken only literally, then religious people tend towards prejudice and intolerance. However, when prayer, I say, is applied spiritually, this is not the case. The ritual of public prayer is prominent in Western religion, so it would be no surprise if private prayer were at the heart of the psychology of spirituality. Ellen G. White, a leading figure in American vegetarian history, once said a similar thing. Do not neglect secret prayer for it is the soul of religion. The Western Christian tradition promotes and values the inward journey, encouraging the discipline of personal prayer, times of quietness, and what is called communion with God. So that leads us on to the question we are addressing in this podcast. According to the Tear Fund survey, after praying, 38% reported feeling peaceful and content. So this is a state of mind. Other writers about religion often claim for prayer, like William James, the American philosopher and psychologist who said the sovereign cure for worry is prayer. So the question is, can prayer really reduce fear? Reduce anxiety? And if so, how? Now, I would like to say this depends on several factors. Number one, whether invoking a punitive or loving sphere. It is a basic belief of many faith traditions that a God of love can bring blessing out of adversity and that prayer helps with this. The way people in distress see their relationships with the human face of God can be a great source of comfort and strength to them. In their darkest hours, Many of them are sustained by their belief that they are loved by the source of all that is good and all will be well. Yet, this is a very different picture of God to that of the old religion. That old picture, I would say, was based on a mistaken understanding of the Koran and of the Bible. Sometimes people yearn for God's help but do not ask for it, because they believe they deserve only his judgment. The traditional idea of a punitive and vindictive God is not my religion. It is not a picture of the divine that I could turn to for rest and peace, but rather one to turn to in fear and guilt. For we don't find inner peace by feeling condemned. For love, seems to me, to be the essence of inner sense of calm and peace. Feeling fully accepted, warts and all, fully embraced by the unconditional compassion and mercy of selfless love. The French poet, essayist and art critic Charles Baudelaire said, The man who says his evening prayer is a captain posting his sentinels. He can sleep. Now, I reckon a second factor that's relevant as to whether prayer can reduce anxiety is whether it involves thinking or also feeling. Some of those who pray may be blind to the reality that they are out of touch with their true feelings. This state of affairs can be compared with some clients in counselling. In their heads, they may acknowledge the interpretations offered by the therapists, for example, about unconscious causes of their problems. This is intellectual insight alone. Unfortunately, this is insufficient and psychodynamic therapists know that without emotional insight no real therapeutic change is likely. Going through the motions of a prayer in line with what one thinks and what one thinks one believes is only one thing but are the deeper feelings in gain. I would suggest that prayer can only be effective in reducing anxiety if it inspires a deeper heartfelt trust in divine providence. A third factor, I reckon, is whether hypocrisy or genuineness is involved in prayer. The spiritual philosopher Emanuel Swedenborg wrote in his diary about one occasion when he was reading the Lord's Prayer. He claimed to have psychic awareness in a mystical state of consciousness. He said that he was surprised whilst praying to notice the spirit of a robber reading the same prayer with him. I observed that he did so with such devotion that I could not tell whether he was of the true faith or not. He then adored the Lord as if from the heart, so that he might be protected. Swedenborg went on to comment that this devoutness was short-lived and only lasted as long as the person thought he was in danger. It did not run deep. When his peril passed, he was the same thief as before. The point of this is that surely it is possible for any of us to pray for some fear to be removed, yet what goes on in deep in our hearts can be disguised, it can be covered over, for our thoughts or words to have any personal significance. Surely they must be genuine, as opposed to speaking or thinking in a hypocritical way. Of course, we can kid ourselves we are being honest, but how could self-deception mislead an omniscient deity who sees everything? If the person praying has no honest connection with the divine, then how could their pleas be heard? Any private prayer lacking authenticity, to me, seems a complete waste of time. A fourth factor concerns whether pursuing natural or spiritual things is involved. Now, in a natural state of anxiety, we may be thinking about the little old me. Wanting what I want, what I crave, what benefits me, what would make me feel or look good. This might be bodily comfort, security, appreciation, getting my own way, social status, prestige, money. Maybe my anxiety is due to some sense of threat to one of those desires. Now, I'm trying to say that when a worldly and self-centred state of mind rules our lives, we, are, we actually close ourselves to any higher insights and spiritual intuitions. That central to prayer is not to think naturally. Instead, it is using our capacity for deeper awareness. To reflect. Now of course contemplation and reflection on events is always going to be valuable. But I'm saying that prayer provides us with this opportunity. It provides us with a chance to explore our desires. To probe beneath the surface of things. This is so especially where there are stressful or unfamiliar experiences. It enables us to apply a spiritual framework to recent circumstances to gain deeper insight into our anxiety. Critics might suppose there is nothing much different between prayer and the psychological processes involved in consulting a therapist. The professional psychologist facilitates self-awareness and self-exploration. Yes, There can be a psychology of prayer. But I do not assume that prayer is nothing but psychology. It is so much more. For praying with their divine counsellor can lead Christian believers to think about their lives in a very different way. They call this thinking in a different way by putting on the mind of Christ this takes them out of themselves. It raises their spirit to a higher level. If prayer provides a deeper frame of meaning, then surely events can be understood in terms of how they might relate to the higher aims of God. For example, to realise that the challenge of uncertainty keeps us on our toes. It tests our character. It shows us what really matters. Anxiety is good for us at times. We can learn from the personal setbacks and crises and thus grow as people. The fifth factor I'm going to highlight is whether seeking one's own or the divine will is involved in our prayers. Skeptics ask, but if there were a God of love, Wouldn't he already be doing all that is possible to make things better? And so not need our pleas, our prayers, our petitions as any kind of reminder? Yes, it's true that in a state of fear, we can be desperate for help. And for a while it may seem that God is neglecting us or has forgotten us, and we feel we need to tell him what to do. But as we start to pray, it doesn't take long for us to realise our illusion. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, The function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Speaking for myself, I can say I, I have experienced a divine presence both pointing me in the right direction and encouraging my actions. But this doesn't always happen when I pray. Sometimes, when I think I'm praying, actually, I'm too busy expecting what I want, rather than asking for enlightenment. I would say that when private prayer is inspired, then I do come to appreciate whether what I want would be good for me or not. In the Lord's Prayer, Christians are asking to let God's will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done, they say. They don't say, My kingdom come, my will be done. Now, sixthly, Question is whether our prayers involve feeling the self abasement or humble submission. And you might not think there's much difference between those two things. We can feel anxious about our misdeeds, but when it comes to prayer, we may be put off by the Christian word sin. It does sound oppressive to many people. They sometimes assume that the humility required of those praying amounts to guilt-ridden self-abasement. On the contrary, I would suggest that no such attitude is required. Instead of judging ourselves as generally bad, we might simply consider only a particular thing we did as so. It is not me who is unworthy but rather something they once wanted. Actually, not all anxious thoughts about our conduct are fair and reasonable. Prayer, for some of us, can be an obsessive compulsive activity that takes over our lives. An excessive preoccupation with guilt and over-scrupulousness occurs. This happens when we focus our minds on trivial actions. Some counsellors even speak as if all guilty feelings were unhealthy and need to be expunged. I certainly wouldn't go that far. I think we need to be more discriminating. Some guilt is rational and some irrational. Some anxiety reasonable and some neurotic. It is easier to see the difference when we basically feel okay about ourselves. Then we can move on in dealing with our unease, forgetting unimportant mistakes and nonsense, instead trying to make amends for real misconduct and seeking a change in direction. Fraser Watts was a prominent researcher in the psychology of religion, past president of the British Psychological Society. He wrote that when we feel ashamed in front of other people it is often because we sense that they can see through us and there are no defences left against their critical gaze. Though God can see through us and there are no more places to hide from him yet his gaze is a benevolent one. Having a humble attitude doesn't stop us from retaining a Positive self-attitude. If we believe that the source of all goodness is able to be present within each of us, how could we not recognise this? The seventh question is whether one adopts a deferring or cooperative attitude. Non-believers point out that religious people seem to be expecting a miracle. Yes, I would say it is a mistake to see prayer as a quick fix for personal fears, one that avoids the slow, hard work involved in personal healing and growth. What is called a deferring approach in prayer implies that whatever is to be done is fully in the hands of the divine power, and the person praying does not have to do anything. I would say that most people who use a deferring style tend to have less control over their anxiety. For myself, I say that I may start a prayer assuming that whatever is to be done to take away my fear is fully in the hands of God. But by the end of the prayer... I realise that I also need to make a change. In other words, not praying for an earthly miracle, but rather praying for support and strength, the kind of power needed to do what is required to face my fears, fighting them, as it were, yet at the same time acknowledging I am doing so in the Lord's strength. Mahatma Gandhi, Indian non-violent political activist, said prayer is not an old woman's idle amusement. Properly understood and applied, it is the most potent instrument of action. Asking for help doesn't mean escaping from responsibility. Indeed, Hippocrates, the Greek physician who established medicine as a profession said, prayer indeed is good, but while calling on the gods, a man should himself lend a hand. My final point is prayer works best when we attribute healing not to oneself but to the divine. It seems natural for us to think in terms of what causes things to happen. We suppose what the cause is of why we have found confidence in dealing with something, something that's been alarming, or we assume we know why we have started to feel less anxious about some future bad event. Prayer invites us to attribute peace to the one prayed to, to attribute calmness. Otherwise, we have little alternative but to take credit for ourselves, or else to attribute a change in mood, just to chance factor. The religious attitude is to attribute what is good to a transcendent source of all that is good, which is the divine being who is external to us, But if we were to believe only in this transcendence, we we might start to feel helpless in the face of infinite power. And on the other hand, if we were to believe only in the power of peace and calm as some potential to be found only within us, then we would have to fall back on self-reliance. Actually, we can think of the divine as both an internal and an external cause of our state of mind, a divine power present within us with which we feel closely allied. Well, to sum up, whether prayer can reduce fear depends on our doing eight things: one, invoking a loving rather than a punitive sphere, two, engaging the heart of feeling as well as the head of thought 3 being genuine rather than hypocritical 4 pursuing spiritual rather than natural things 5 seeking the divine will rather what rather than one's own will 6 submitting in a humble rather than a self-abasing way. 7. Adopting a cooperative, rather than a deferring attitude. And 8. Attributing healing to the divine, rather than to oneself. I just want to be a calmer person who feels less anxious, less fearful about the uncertainties of life, less anxious about my actual past wrongdoing. And I have discovered that something like a personal revelation is present within my prayer. And so I feel that we can all better learn to put our trust in the universe and its creator. We can all feel a sense of comfort, reassurance and hope. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference.